Hello and welcome to episode number 16 of News of the Nerd, the podcast where we talk about movies, TV shows, video games, comic books and anything else remotely nerdy and today we will be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I am Jason and I'm here with my brother slash co-host Ben. Why do you always do such an aggressive slash? It's my signature. It's it's aggressive. <laughs> it's my catchphrase. Slash. She catch. What's my catchphrase then? Um, uh, I don't know. Something high pitched and whiny. What are you trying to say? <laughs> anyway, Ben. Hi. We're recording this on May the fourth. May the fourth be with you. These are not the droids you're looking for. Oh, I thought you were going to say, and also with you. It's where, where Star Wars and Christianity meets. <laughs> You've ruined the films for me! <laughs> anyway, we're recording this on May the 4th. We saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 yesterday, and so it's, it's still fresh in our minds. So and it, was, it was shit. It was shit. We're going we're gonna to start off spoiler-free. What did you think? I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I was, I was so relieved. Coming out of this film, like, yeah, Marvel, Marvel can still do it. They can still do a really good film because it's not just. <laughs> I've been defending Marvel through the last three films, like, you know, but, oh, it wasn't that bad. You know, Doc, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. It was a bit messy, but you know, it was all right. It's not a bad film. Uh, Ant Man and the Wasp, you know, it's not as bad as everyone says. It's not, it's not a bad film. Um, but finally, now, finally, I can say the latest MCU release is a good film. Go and I, see it. <laughs> I think that's the thing, though. Like, I don't think they are bad films. I think they're bad Marvel films. Yeah, they're bad by Marvel standards. Yeah, but if you put them against a lot of other films, they are a lot better. It's just that we're used to the quality that Marvel put out, and they were just so below par. Yeah, I don't know. Like the, the further I've got away from Quantumania, the less I think I like it in my head. But you know, <laughs> I'll watch it again when it comes on Disney Plus and and make a proper decision. Um, because at the minute, whenever I think about that film, I, I just picture Modok, and it it ruins it. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> Anyway, enough about those other films. Let's talk about this film. So I checked earlier on Rotten Tomatoes. It has currently got an 80% critic score, which I think is accurate. That, yeah. That's that's four stars out of five, isn't it? 80%. And I, yeah. I think this is definitely like a, a four-star film. I wasn't just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, all the way through. Like There were certain bits that I was just like, wait, what? what? Excuse me? Um, yeah, there are there are definitely things I think worked less well than others. Uh, there's one one in particular story point that we'll get into more in spoilers that I feel like didn't really work. I'll tell you something though; it's not a light-hearted film, is it? Jesus I'm, Christ! I mean, it has like... it has the comic elements that you've come to expect from James Gunn. But James Gunn's always been quite good at balancing, you know, the comedic with the serious. But the the serious stuff in this is much darker 
James Gunning, this is a bit of a dick. Like, he takes you on a bit of a roller coaster. Like, what, what, one part I'm tearing up, and then five seconds later, they crack a joke that makes you piss your scent. I think the thing you've got to watch out for with that sometimes is, you know, a, a joke can completely undercut the levity of the situation. But in this, I feel like it didn't. It always towed the line quite well. Yeah, it kept it kept it very constant the mood because it was just pulling you back up so it wasn't so you weren't just lying there depressed as hell but also you weren't forgetting how serious the storyline actually was and the impact that it was designing to make so going back to rotten tomatoes and i know it's not a perfect system but i I do think it's a useful tool uh for for gauging the reaction to a, a film uh, so it is currently, like I said, it's at 80%. That is the lowest of the three Guardians films. Uh, so Guardians 1 is at like 92 and Volume 2 is at 85. Well, I think, what? I think it's, yeah, I think it's better than Volume 2. Volume 2 is a bit shit, let us be I honest. Think it's, I thought Volume 2 was disappointing, yeah. Yeah. I, I never liked how, I never liked Drax's characterization in Volume 2. He, became too much of a caricature of himself. They, they did it so well in this. Like I feel like they kept this, the feel from the holiday special of Drax and Mantis, which yeah. that just wasn't there in two. Drax and Mantis do have a, a great rapport. And, and that, is just, that is expanded on in this. Um, I, I also, so let me think. I'm, I'm just thinking if this is spoilers or not. Uh, I, I don't. I, I liked. I liked Gamora in this, and I like that she does feel like a different yeah. character who has been through different things, and than the previous not. Gamora. I I was really worried that they were just gonna you know find some Deus Ex Machina. That oh no, Gamora's Gamora's just a classic Gamora again, and and she's not. She you know remains true to the version that we saw in Endgame. Yeah, and I think it, it must be like props to Zoe Saldana. It must be so hard to obviously play a character in a certain way there and then have to completely change the character, but also at the same time keep things the same. Yeah, she has to have rec- recognizable traits, but has had different experiences, yeah. which, so, yeah, I, I fully believed that that was the case. Uh, two people that uh, two characters that actually stole this movie for me. Yeah. Are Cosmo. I fucking love Cosmo. Uh, we need more Cosmo. There weren't enough Cosmos, but Cosmo is fucking brilliant. And um, Nebula. I really liked Nebula, Nebula's character in this. Um, showed the development since she was first introduced and like the amalgamation into the team um, and just is her own, ha- has a bit of personality rather than just absolute batshit raging lunatic. Yeah, although I kind of miss batshit raging lunatic. There are elements of it in there. <laughs> you know, I, I think I think my favourite Nebula moment in the MCU is just when she's... Uh, Stuck on the spaceship with Tony Stark in Endgame, beginning of Endgame, is it? Yeah. And and they're playing a little like football game with flicking the paper, and she just like snarls at him when he flicks it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
It's just the growl. Yeah. And if, if we're going through through the characters, I think Groot, I love that they've kept big hench Groot design for this. Yeah, because we all said, and there's still people that, and I, I just like, not to insult anyone's intelligence, but how do people not realise that it is not the Groot from the first movie? Do people not realise that it's a different person? No, people still think it's the same Groot. And I'm like, yeah. you do realise they just like planted a new Groot. Although, you know, I do, I kind of have questions about that. But we'll, we'll, we'll get back to that in spoilers. Um, you know what I'm thinking there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Best part of the movie. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say that. I, it, yeah, that was a good, a good scene. Anyway, um, I think, I think we've covered, well, I mean, we're not really spoken about Star-Lord, have we? Yeah, there's, there's not a lot to say, but Star-Lord is Star-Lord. I think in this as well. I don't know if it's so much the character, but the story that surrounds them that just showed a massively different side to them is Rocket. Yeah, I think we knew from the trailers that this was going to be quite a Rocket-centric film, and yeah, but, but not quite... in the way it were. No, but we, you know, we knew it was going to give us give us some backstory to Rocket, and it really delivers on that. And uh, that is probably one of my favourite parts of the film yeah which if you've seen the film you might question that but but no I, I i really enjoyed all that backstory um oh we should talk about the villain let's quickly talk about the villain before we get into spoilers so the villain is the high evolutionary he's, he's just sat on a chair in all his evolutionary glory smoking joints Oh, because he's high. <laughs> hey, there you go. The high evolutionary, and I know I'm going to butcher his name, but he is played by Chuck Woody Iwuji. Uh, and I mostly recognise him from... He, he was in uh, Peacemaker. Have you watched Peacemaker yet? No. Oh, you need to get on that. But he's in Peacemaker, and he was such a great menacing psychotic villain you like fully i i always feel like the best villains it's it's got that kind of bond villain vibe of like he's really bought into his his own shit like i think you know most villains should should start off you know kind of like thanos he's, you know, he's he thinks he's doing the right thing yeah they start off just thinking like like genuinely thinking, yeah, that they can make a difference. And by the end of it, they're blinded to everything else other than thinking that they are the only way. And if anyone wants to stand in their way, then they should die because they are right and there is no other viewpoint. There is no other way of looking at it. There is no alternative. I was I was really impressed by the High Evolutionary. Yeah, I think he's a complete and utter psycho, and I, and I like that. And I, one complaint you always have, and I don't think this movie had it, and I think it did it well, because, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy has a lot of CGI. It's obvious because of, like, where it is and what it, what it does. Do you know what I mean? But 
you, we always complain about at the end of the films, they just there's always all the story, and then there's just a big cinematic fight scene, uh, CGI fight scene. Yeah, and- I don't think this had it that much, and I think what it did with it was really well done. Yeah, and, and you've still got to have style. You, you, you've still got to have that big climax, like visually, yeah, and and it manages to do that without without falling into uh, the the usual holes and tropes. Uh, I think we should move on to spoilers now because we're starting to we're starting to tiptoe on that line, and you know what one person counts as a spoiler someone else won't so i always find it quite difficult to talk spoiler free because you never know quite where the line is so yet from this point on if you've not seen guardians volume 3 stop listening come back when you have or you know if you don't care then listen anyway some people don't care about spoilers basically telling you to fuck off if you don't want to listen mental people are not bothered (laughs) it's like those people that leave as soon as the film's over Fucking insane! There there are people who like these films and are invested in this that will still, like, look up spoilers as soon as they possibly can and find out everything that's going to happen before then going and watching the film. I don't get it. I like to go in and be surprised. Like... But there you go. Dad doesn't even watch trailers. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's... (laughs) That's how far it goes. Yeah. In fact, speaking of trailers, the last trailer that came out ended <laughs> with such a, like looking back at it now, such a brilliant tease of Nebula carrying Peter Quill that made everyone you know go, oh, he's died, he's going to so die. Pissed off. And he's just so drunk. fucking pissed off. <laughs> Like he's just drunk. It's the it's one of the very first things. Yeah. It's not even towards the end. It's one of the first things, and he's just blackout drunk. I'm yeah. just here hoping he's dead. And even though it's not a joke in the context of the film, it still made me chuckle just thinking about how how clever they must have felt putting that at the end of the trailer. <laughs> But I think that's th- films do that all the time, and like Dad not watching trailers would not get that. Yeah, it's crazy man. But also, I mean, this is something that did surprise me. None of them die. None of them die. Like this. Do you know what I think? What they've done is they made us expect people to die. Yeah. So they kept making us think someone was about to die. How many times did you think someone was going to die? Um, I can at least count, four. Yeah, I can count four times. I thought someone had died in that film, which annoyed. Like that, that really annoyed me in uh, Love and Thunder. The, the, just the amount of death fake outs, and I did feel it a bit in this. I think they did it well though, because I was just. I think I was just on edge of my shit seat a bit. Like it's them. They're the one that's died. Oh, you fucking bastards. Okay, so, I mean, the the first death I thought was, you know, a death. I thought they'd killed Groot off, like, right at the beginning of the film. Yeah, just like, his head's like, gone. His Ad- head's Ad- gone. Adam Warlock just fully cuts his head off. So, like, Can we just appreciate how good of a character Adam Warlock actually is? Well, that's... The, so, I was saying earlier, there's one thing in particular that I don't think worked particularly well. It... 
it didn't work from a story point of view for me. I, I don't feel like he was necessary. I don't feel like he achieved anything, really. I don't feel like he was there for any reason other than they teased him at the end of Volume 2. Or to save Peter Quill at the end. Like, no one else could have done that. Yeah, but, I, but that's not that's not why he's in the film, is it? That's that's to 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 give him at least something liked, that is achieved. I liked the character. I think I, it's a cool character. I liked the character. I found him really funny, just like his naivety. Well, because they said like the the Ganja Lord had um, pulled him from the cocoon way too early. The Ganja Lord, the high evolutionary. He's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not an intergalactic dealer. <laughs> <laughs> people think this movie is going to be about him creating different species it's not it's just got a gigantic intergalactic weed farm <laughs> um like they said he pulled him out of the cocoon too early so he's basically just like a whiny teenager that doesn't understand what's going off yeah and i did like the character pretty yeah. much every time he turned up he made me laugh he but... could have just been slot made use of a bit more i just I feel like if they had got rid of that entire subplot, it wouldn't have really made a difference because everything they were trying to do, the high evolutionary and his, what did he call him, Hellspawn, were, were all trying to do the same. They were just trying to get Rocket. It's, so it's like the plot hole in um, Indiana Jones. That Indy doesn't change anything. Yeah. and I mean, that's, that's, not, that's not a plot hole. It's just a, a fact of the film. It's not a plot hole, because a plot hole is something that like doesn't make any sense. I mean, it renders the film completely useless. I mean, it doesn't, because you know, you're still watching a series of events that happen to him. Whether he has any effect on the overall outcome or not is a different matter. It's, yeah. it's not a plot hole. It might be poor writing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a plot hole. Do you think they wrote n- noticed it like towards the end and they were like, well, we've fucking done it now. We're just going to have to leave it. Um, but I think and his mum dying was the thing that kind of... The, f- the issue I have, I feel like it should have been that his mum, kind of mum, died when, do you know, when the high evolutionary were pushing him in- into a wall? Yeah. I feel like the high evolutionary should have killed his mum then and he just goes batshit and then went on a helping rampage. Could have slotted him in a bit better because I feel like it didn't make too much sense about the fact that his mum has died, so he was fuming about that but still went after Guardians. Yeah, that's what I thought. As soon as his mum died, I thought, okay, so now he's going to help the Guardians fight the high evolutionary, but he still didn't. And it it was only when... uh, Drax saved him? Groot. Was it Drax saved him? Groot saved him. And did Drax translate for him? Uh, said, said ev- everyone ev- deserves yeah. a second chance. And it was only then that he you know, decided like that he was going to be on their side. So it was another instant turnaround from the villain, just like you had from Modoc in Quantumania. Not that Adam Warlock is anywhere near as bad as Modoc. No, it's, it looks cool. He's got cool powers. You know, he looked a lot better. When we first saw him in the trailer, I was like, he just looks like he's been painted gold. And I, I feel like they've refined the yeah. special effects now. So it, it did feel like a quick turnaround and it felt a bit convenient. And yeah, like I said, he, he doesn't really, 
he, he comes in right at the beginning. He kicks ass. He doesn't really achieve anything then until at the very end. He does kick ass, though, like... Oh, he really kicks ass. And... Nebula, Nebula, can we just appreciate Nebula is just overpowered, like, when she puts the wing things on with the arm. The arm is sick. I don't know what that arm's made out of, but that arm is sick. The wing things? Yeah, she put, like, a backpack on, and it brought two, like, wing things up. For... Oh, yeah. No, that was cool. Uh, what, like a cyberpunk Valkyrie or something? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and her new arm that she's got courtesy of Rocket, she says. Oh, is it? He's turned tur- Winter Soldier's arm into it for her. Maybe. I don't know. Because she gave him the... Wi- she did. And we don't see it, so has he turned it into a, a cool arm for her? I mean, that's a good theory. Yeah, because I was thinking it looks like... Vibranium? Yeah. No, uh, not Vibranium. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it is Vibranium, it is. isn't it? I was thinking it looks like Vibranium, and it kind of looks like Ultron's Vibranium. When you say it looks like Vibranium, do you mean it's silver? No. <laughs> like, like, how else does it look like Vibranium? It's just like, a silver metal. Like how um, Ultron's body is made out of Vibranium. So it, it kind of looks like a load of metal, like uh, rope, all, all tied together. And it is kind of, I suppose, like... Nanotech. It's well, it's like Ultron's like got those kind of things in his neck a bit when he's, yeah. he's the big Ultron. But yeah, it did remind me a lot of Iron Man's nanotech. But you know what? I thought it looked better than Iron Man's nanotech. Oh, yeah. I was never particularly a fan of Iron Man's nanotech. It looks sick, uh, though. So... Like she could do anything she wanted with it. It turned into a gun, a blade. She was hooking up to electrics with it. Yeah. It was just sick. That that was a really a really fun addition uh, to Nebula. Gave well, yeah, her a maybe bit it's more the power. arm. Maybe it's the Winter Soldier's arm. Maybe. Uh, so yeah, what what I was saying about that scene, uh, we we got sidetracked a bit. What I was saying was when they when Adam Warlock cut off Groot's head, he didn't just cut it off though, did he? I I I really thought he died, and then he just, he just like yanks it, grows crab legs, and just sits back into the body and reattaches, but. No, when no, that's not what happens. That's not what happens. He, he's crawling around with, like, crab legs for a bit. Yeah. And then in the next scene, he's not got his full body back, but he's kind of grown... It reminded me of in Watchmen when uh, the blue guy, what's his name? Manhattan? Mr. Captain Manhattan? Dr. Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> Captain Manhattan. That's a better name. <laughs> no, Dr. Manhattan. Mr. Manhattan. (laughs) Lord Manhattan. (laughs) When uh, Dr. Manhattan is talking about his origins and he says that there's a a, a nervous system in the cafeteria or something and it's just like, you know, it's like the outline of a body and it's got all the... Yeah. It's just got all the nerves and like some... The veins. There's like just some blood supply on its own. And so it just kind of looked like that. It was just like a veiny outline of Groot with Groot's head on top. And then it's not till the next scene, I think, after that, that he's actually managed to grow his full body back. But yeah, so like what would it take to kill a Groot? Because Groot dies in the first one and he's just like reduced down to twigs. Maybe maybe you've got to kill the head. Maybe it's like a zombie. (laughs) Groot's a zombie. Yeah. He's a tree zombie. If a zombie bites a tree, it turns into a Groot. And that's how Groots are made. <laughs> that's the only difference. Like, he had his head yanked off. 
but like in the first one, he kind of gets like obliterated. Like there's just twigs everywhere. There's no head. Yeah. It's not like he's gonna his brain is gonna be in his foot, is it? Well, I feel like does he have a brain? Is it like a brain made of bark and tree? It's made out of moss. Yeah. Like, he's not going to have, like, a squishy, fleshy brain in there, is he? You don't know. Who made you Doctor of Alien Biology? Oh, did, yeah, I, I got a, a doctorate from... Uh, Rick Sanchez. The, the Alien Biology University. You know the one. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to try that again? No. Okay, you sticking with that? Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I, that's... It, it's, it's not a joke, it's a true fact. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, I did just wonder, like, where, where's a quasite's brain then? What, what is a quasite? Aha! <laughs> you don't know alien biology. What's a quasite? I just made it up. Well then, if you knew alien biology, you knew that I made that up. Well, I did. <laughs> That's why I said, "What is it?" I'd never heard of it because I know these things. <laughs> if I was lying, I would have just made something up, wouldn't I? I'd have gone, "Oh, it's in his ass." <laughs> It's on his back flap. <laughs> so no, it did just make me wonder how you kill a Groot and, and why but Groot in Volume 1 died and this Groot just regrew a body fairly simply. But also in Volume 1, he does get his arms lopped off and they grow back fairly quickly. So Yeah, it's all in the head. So yeah, it, it, you've got to... I was going to say separate the head or destroy the brain, but... Removing the head or destroying the brain. Remove the head or destroy the brain. But removing the head does fuck all. You've got to destroy his mossy brain. (laughs) I'll tell you what, let's talk about... I want to talk about Rocket's origin story flashbacks. I don't want to, it's too painful. So, like, it's scattered all the way through the film, but I think we can can talk about that as a a chunk. It's heartbreaking. (laughs) It really is. He looks really cute as a baby raccoon, though. Yeah, but you mean, like, before he gets experimented on or afterwards? Before. I, I mean, mean after, after's still cute, but he's kind of got, like, a big hole in his head. Yeah, I really enjoyed, like, seeing that uh, development of Rocket, though. Yeah. From first being able to, to say a few words, I think the first thing he says is, hurts, which was, yeah, all, all of these flashbacks were really, really sad, but... I always think, you know, a, a good film, a good TV show, a, any good art, it's good if it makes you feel something. Yeah. And that made me feel something. It was depression, but it made me feel it. <laughs> um, I mean, mostly depression. Like, it, it was... <laughs> because there were really nice moments in there, like when they're all laid on the floor, um, coming up with their own names. We just appreciate the rabbit is called Floor. It was laid on the floor. Yeah, the rabbit is called Floor. I, I don't know if Floor is a, a comic book character. Is uh, it spelled F-L- L- Lila is. R, or is it spelled Floor like F-L-E-U-R? Fleur, that's Fleur, surely. Or Floor like F-L-O-R-E. My, my favourite of the names wasn't Floor, though. It was it was Teeth. Was it Teeth or Toofs? Teeths. Teeths. Yeah, Teeths. How heartbreaking when that rabbit's just there going, floor teeth rocket go now, floor teeth rocket go now. I'm just there like, oh my God, yeah. I'm going to cry. 
on a loop and it, it sounded it sounded like really painful like emotionally painful like that rabbit was in real distress like it wasn't asking it was saying like it was like and we need to and then and then they're just dead and then they're dead yeah. and i'm just there yeah. like what the fuck but it, it reminded me a lot of toy story one and it reminded me of sid's room in toy story one when woody's first in there and all these like horrific creatures are coming out at him and he's like oh my god these obviously evil things are gonna kill me and they turn out to be like some of the warmest characters in that entire film and i think this is the same you know it's it kind of plays with that idea that like oh my god these horrific looking animals this walrus with its eyes held open and wheels this rabbit with a fucking metal muzzle over its mouth and like crab legs like these things are obviously going to kill me and then they turn out to be his friends they turn out to be just uh kind and warm and and and, and genuinely happy to have him there uh, i also liked while we're talking about rocket's origins i liked the idea that he is special because he can he can innovate he can create for himself he he can think something that up. the others couldn't do yeah he can think things up of his own accord and not just memorize yeah which i guess even like in humans is like a, a marker of intelligence isn't it like yeah if you can you know we we, we can all we can all memorize e equals mc squared that doesn't mean that we're as clever as fucking einstein because he had the brain capacity to come up with that shit. Yeah. So yeah, just this idea that Rocket can just learn, well, not even learn things, Rocket can come up with new ideas on his own accord. Like when he just like fashions that key card together. He, he just steal parts like over the time and then just builds it into a key card. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm glad they kind of reintroduced that aspect of Rocket. Like, remember yeah. in Guardians 1 when he's just, he's just taking the ship to pieces to build a bomb just because that's what he does. He just he builds things out of what's yeah. available to him. I'm so sad we didn't get a, another joke where he's like, and I'm going, that guy's eye! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they missed out on that one because they had it in both films. But no, just, it was heartbreaking uh, Rocket's past. Yeah, it really is. And I was thinking when we were watching it, I was like, Do you know, we had that conversation a couple of weeks ago saying that we we agree that Scarlet Witch has had like the worst time. Yeah. I think it might be Rocket. <laughs> like Yeah, like it, Jesus it's Christ. Clearly, you know, a traumatic But like that's probably like his earliest real memories as well. Like his earliest he... memories getting operated on. Yeah, like, do do you think he can remember being a raccoon before that? I suppose there is a few flashbacks of. I mean, the only flashback there is of it is the guy coming and picking him up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I was surprised that Rocket was sidelined basically for like the entire film. Yeah, until the very end, and all you saw of Rocket was you know young Rocket in these flashbacks. Which I like. So I, I like that he was still there. It just wasn't modern day Rocket. Like they didn't just sideline him for half a film. Yeah, yeah. But you still get. They didn't just get your do Rocket one fix. full flashback. Yeah. I fully expected 
that the team were going to find Lila somewhere. Yeah. And she I was going to help them with the, the whatever the decryption code on Rocket's heart thing. Like whatever the MacGuffin was for this film, it was it was some code to to stop Rocket's heart from exploding. <laughs> it was the kill code. It was but his heart had a kill code built in. To yeah, to stop anyone from uh, interfering with the technology. Yeah, but yeah, I thought I thought Lila was going to be the one to help them do that. So when she died, and it's that because they're in separate cages all that time as well. So it's like this moment of pure joy when they both first get out of their cages and they're able to hug each other and it's like everything's going to be okay we can we can get away now do you not think james gunn were a bit of a dick with this film <laughs> i mean you know he clearly if, he, if you're he, going he, to he clearly had some problems he just wanted to get off his chest if you're going to dig into rocket's past which you know if this is the last guardians film that he's doing you, you've got to you've got to dig into Rocket's past. Yeah, like it's it's like one of the last great mysteries of Guardians of the Galaxy is is where did Rocket come from? How was he created? And why was he created? Um, and it it had to be a traumatic experience, really, because the only other time he's ever really mentioned it was in the first one, and it's only when he's drunk, and he says like I I didn't ask to be cut up and dissected and experimented on. Yeah. It's something like that. Cut up and experimented on and put back together. And and he's like tearing up at that moment. Yeah. And um, the moment when he looks like towards the end, when he's freeing all of the things, like it's that full circle of like, he stops anything happening to those animals um, and obviously opens the cage and sees him loads of him and he opens the cage and he sees the word raccoon <laughs> yeah. like the fact nothing was said about it I don't know if it was good or bad the fact that it just I mean, kind it of was, it was he, he looked at that he saw that he's a raccoon I, 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 I kind of expected him to say like oh well I guess I am a raccoon but he just he, he takes it in and then it's not until the high evolutionary confronts him and that's when he says my name's Rocket Raccoon <laughs> Like he's finally accepted what Starlord's been telling him all this time. When, he someone, is a called, when, when someone called him a squirrel, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> rocket squirrel. Other animals must all exist on different planets apart from raccoons. Raccoons only exist on Earth because everyone knows what a, a squirrel is. Everyone a rabbit. Pe- pe- people call him rabbit. People call him badger. Does someone call him a badger? Yeah. Someone calls him a hedgehog. A rodent. So yeah, all, like hedgehogs must exist on other planets, uh, but yet, so not only did the high evolutionary create them, we also find out that he created the sovereign, which that, that was a bit of a mind blown. Yeah, but you know these these pompous, full of themselves people, this race of people that were in Guardians Two, were actually just another one of the high evolutionary's experiments. Yeah. And that there were more out there that he'd had actually created. Yeah, so like Rocket's batch was batch eighty nine. So that that Rocket Floor Tooths and Lila are batch eighty nine. So there are potentially another 
where you've got the sovereign in there somewhere, there's another like 87 batches that it, it's, it's like, uh, it's like Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> we could just keep, we could just keep finding these different experiments, failed experiments of the high evolutionaries. And putting them into balls that activate in water. Yeah. Another thing from the trailer that I remember us talking about is uh, like, when there's all those like humanoid animals, why does it look so much like Earth? And I suppose we, we get that answer as well. Yeah, so I mean, obviously what, we get that what, answer. Much for what some. did they call it? Re-Earth? Counter-Earth. Counter-Earth. Which was, it, it was just Earth with animal people. Yeah. There was, like, a, panda, there was a panda guy. But like, he's try, trying to create this perfect version of Earth with, with his, filled with his own creations. Why does it just end up being like Earth in the 80s? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's this perfect version, yet they're still doing heroin deals. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, that's, that, that's fine. There's no war, though. No, that's why, that's why he decides. To blow it all up. He needs to wipe it clean. And it, it was, like, visually really amazing, but also, like... I I found that quite packed because you you know you've seen all these creatures um in in this one neighborhood that they land in uh all you know fairly peaceful animal people until Drax throws a ball at one's face <laughs> <laughs> yeah but even so you know they they don't understand they're defending themselves um so yeah just just to see all that getting just blown up is it, is it <laughs> It is a bit odd, but I mean, are they speaking? Are, are they speaking the same language as those kids are speaking? No, I don't think so. Are they not? Because I was thinking, like Choop the chup. whole the whole time they were sat trying to have the conversation with that Batwoman, and Drax is like lounging on the settee, putting his feet up. He knows exactly what she's saying. Maybe because he does say he never asked. Yeah, it's like maybe he does actually know what they were saying. He just. Because everyone everyone underestimates Drax's intelligence. <laughs> it's when it's when they just stood there like, no, you are stupid. Like, yeah, you have good qualities, but de- you're definitely stupid. Yeah, and that that was a great way to bring Drax's story full circle. Yeah, when uh, Nebula says to him, yeah. "You were never meant to be a destroyer. You were meant you, to be a dad. You were meant to be a dad." Because that's the reason he started out in it, like. Um, yeah, that, that's the reason he Thanos wanted killed to... his children, or Ronin killed his children. Yeah, that's why he wanted to kill Ronin, and that's why he wanted to kill Thanos. And then, yeah, after that, he's kind of left without a purpose for a bit. Yeah, that that did make a lot of sense to me. Like when he he's just doing like the silly, like monkey noises of him meant to be. <laughs> what, what? He's a monkey, but he's like he's doing duck noises, but he's doing like robot movements maybe, maybe on that's... Drax's planet that's what mon- monkeys are robot ducks you imagine there was the scene where, where I wondered like why Star-Lord passed Groot a load of guns and then there's the scene where Groot just opens and pulls out about 17 guns yeah and I would, when they were doing it, I was just thinking to myself, like, there weren't that many people as shots fired in this. Yeah, no, it wasn't a particularly full room. 
<laughs> Jesus Christ, they were just shooting for ages. It was a great little action sequence, though, yeah. with the group firing, like, four guns and uh, Star-Lord's firing his couple of guns and then he, like, rolls towards... Grew and group like grows a shield over him to protect him, yeah. And then they carry on, and then group flies. It was a great bit of teamwork, yeah. Or glides, yeah. It's it's falling with style, I would say. Graceful falling, <laughs> it's not flying, it's falling with style. Maybe James Gunn had just been watching Toy Story before he wrote this. It's like we, we, never, we don't even find out what that little fluffy ball thing is. For start, uh, the Adam Warlock seems to get attached to. I mean, I don't know. It's just some sort of weird space creature, isn't it? It, it reminded me a bit of Trevor Slattery's little friend from Shang-Chi. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, speaking of pets, we've already mentioned Cosmo in the spoiler-free section, but... Uh, uh, Cosmo's it, a sassy bitch. If anything had happened to Cosmo, I would have been so pissed. <laughs> It's the fact the whole way through the main dialogue we get is because um, Craglin's called called her a bad dog. Well, you can't swear like that on this podcast, Ben. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, he does. He calls her a bad dog, and then the whole thing's like, "Take it back, take it back." Yeah, I, I, I loved that. Every time it cut back to them, and it seems like living on nowhere now is just like pretty much every character that we've ever seen. That apparently no, nowhere, nowhere is actually part of it being made into a sh- ship sort of thing. We're a massive fucking gun eye. Well, yeah, I think that's got something to do with Rocket, surely. <laughs> Gotta have. Rocket's been doing some work on nowhere. Because it's the skull of a Titan, isn't it? Yeah, but so there are so many people on nowhere. So, so obviously you've got Cosmo on there and Craglin, but there was the also, duck. yeah, there was Howard the Duck was on there. The guy was on there who was the... Um, Buyer of the orb, originally. Yeah, like the jewel merchant Yeah, from... Nova. No, no, it's no. not Nova. Nova 6. No, that's not what it's called. Xandar. Xandar. They were on Xandar, which is presumably, you know, completely destroyed by Thanos, Thanos. now. Yeah. So God knows how he managed to get away, but he did. Apparently, I read this week that they did film like a sequence where Thanos goes to Xandar and decimates it to get the Power Stone. Uh, but it was cut from Infinity War in the end. Because when that film starts, he's already got the Power Stone. Yeah, they just mentioned that he decimated Xandar instead yeah. of showing it. The other thing I liked on Nowhere, which you, I think you see it used once at the beginning and once like right at the end, is that Rocket seems to have hooked up Quill's Zune to the Xandar like Tannoy system, yeah. so yeah. That they come blast songs out across the city. Who was the note from? Because there seems to be an addition of Naughty's tunes on like two thousands section now. Well, because they played a fairly recent song, didn't they? Yeah, but that. So I assume that was just on there. I think uh, Craglin gave Peter Quill the Zoom at the end of part two. Yeah, because... Um, is it end of part two? Yeah, yeah. isn't it? I think he had got it for him, hadn't he, but never given it him. Yeah, so I assume they were just songs that were preloaded on there. Because there were a note on there, weren't they, though? It says, I went back for this. Um, it did say who it was from. I was think it? it's 
I think was it, it from it from Peter? I think so. That, yeah, because that's that's why he nearly died, didn't it? Because he went. That's what he dropped. Yeah, which totally lines up to his character. Yeah. So that was one of the other death fake outs, though. Like his face nearly exploded. It, it was like, oh, he's floating. His, you know, we've seen before he can survive in space for a little while, um, and then like his face expands, and it's like, oh, he's dead. Like he's actually properly dead. And then Adam Warlock fetches his body, or like fetches him back in. And that's what I thought, like he's, oh, he's fetching his body back. And they, I, I thought, because they'd been teasing his granddad all the way through this, and Mantis had even like pretty much told him it were a dick move that he left Earth and never went back the same yeah. day his mum died. Like, you know, that, that man's lost everything in one day. So I always thought, you know, that he's going to go back to Earth at some point. And then it's like, oh, he's dead. So I thought they're going to take his body back to Earth and they're going to bury him on his home planet. Uh, but no, apparently it's fine. Um, he can just survive in space for God knows how long. <laughs> I, I guess if you're, being, if you're being charitable with it, you could say it's because he's part celestial, maybe. Yeah. But I'm sure there's a line in part two where they say, like, that he... Because Ego's died, he doesn't have any of his celestial powers anymore. But it must still be in his DNA somewhere. Yeah, he's still got the celestial blood. So, like I say, if you're being charitable, then that's the reason. But I thought that was like a a bit of a shitty fake-out. Maybe they would have left him dead. Maybe that was uh, what would have happened if they'd not managed to sign Chris Pratt up for whatever they've managed to sign Chris Pratt up for. Yeah, because what's the sentence? It's the the legendary Star-Lord will return. Yeah, which seems like the tease of a title to me. So I'm not expecting yeah. it to be a movie, but that definitely but, feels but like... When we, we said, because we're at the after credit scene where he's we his granddad, because obviously he does go back and he's just sat at the table. We said that we would fully watch a show about him trying to readjust to, like, life on Earth. Yeah, and that, that's kind of what I'm expecting. A Disney Plus TV show called The Legendary Star-Lord. But it's not serious, it's quite comical, and it's just like a little bit... It's like a sitcom. Yeah, I mean, they could even be, like, 10, 15-minute shorts. Yeah. Of, of just him trying to get used to... Like, he's he saying something about how he's going to mow the neighbour's lawn. And, uh, you know, maybe he's going to try and, you know, he's decided that mowing the lawn takes too long, so he's going to incorporate some sort of crazy sci-fi space gizmo into the lawnmower, and it all goes wrong and hilarity ensues. No, he says, like, I don't... He's trying to get out of mowing the lawn, saying that um, <laughs> his uncle should do it, his granddad's son should do it, because he's, like, 40-odd no, no. and just sat there. No, that's... He says, if she needs help mowing the lawn, I'll mow the lawn. I think they're talking about a neighbour. Oh, uh, okay. Um, but her son's living with him, and he's just like a 40-year-old man. Like, what? It, why am I mowing his lawn? <laughs> so I think he's saying, you know, I will do it to help whoever out, but I shouldn't be the one that's doing it. Yeah. And I'm, I am glad they addressed that, because I have thought that before. Like, it never really shows you the people that he's left behind. You know, obviously his mum's died, but he has other family on Earth. I like how he could just fall back into it, though. Like, how long do you think they were searching for him? Did, like, obviously he's been back to Earth to fight 
Thanos is 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 there, was there any media that? coverage? Did, did 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 his granddad know that he was still alive and living in space, or did like, he just think he was fucking hallucinating when <laughs> he walked through the door at the end of that film? It could be a uh, Marvel special presentation. Yeah, could be. The legendary Star Lord. It, it's it's got a good ring to it as a title for something though. Yeah, I do like the title. Yeah, of whatever it's going to be. But I think my like my whole thing was I feel like they wrapped up everyone's storyline so well. Yeah, yeah, no, it did feel like that. And Mantis is off doing her own thing, which possibly means we could see more Mantis. Maybe with her giant roly <laughs> yeah. things. It's the things they were fighting at start of the second one, though, isn't it? It is, yeah. Like they're like baby ones in comparison to. Yeah, that one that they were fighting. Um, I did, and, and so Gamora ends up back with her band of Ravagers. I thought that was a, a really interesting moment because Quill has been saying to her all the time, like you, you belong with us, and 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 the old Gamora was happy with us, and we're we're like family, and we we all belong together. It never, you know, takes her time to think. Maybe she's got that already. Because yeah. when, when she goes back to the Ravagers, they're all really happy to see her and they're all hugging her and she's smiling. And it's like she's found her, Forever her new family there. So she has got what what the previous Gamora had with the Guardian. She's got with her Ravagers as well. Yeah. Right, speaking of the Ravagers, I was kind of annoyed that... So obviously we, we see... We see Sylvester Stallone come back with his band of Ravagers uh, that were in Volume Two. I was annoyed that it was it was spoiled in the opening credits, as uh, as Rocket's walking along and kind of singing along to Creep. It it comes up and says like with Sylvester Stallone. I didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah, which I was like, oh, oh, he's back. That's cool, but also. I wish it had been a surprise when it happened. <laughs> yeah, they they had to give him that credit just to get him back. Yeah, it's all it's all contract negotiations. So I want you to ruin my part of the film. It's like it happens in TV shows a lot, where like I've just been rewatching Buffy, and you know there'll, there'll be certain episodes that's like with special uh, guests as it's coming out. It's like with special guest star David Boreanaz. I was like, oh, I guess Angel's back for this episode then, yeah? That would have been that would have been a really cool surprise. Thanks. <laughs> um but yeah, so it doesn't happen as much in films, but that did happen in this one. So talking about Rocket walking along listening to Creep, I thought so a negative that I've got about this film is that I don't feel like music was used as well as it was. No, I don't. In the first two, like, apart from the first song and the last song, I, I, I can think, think was... of. I can think of like two big musical moments in this, but when I listen to, because I've got, I've got both of the first two Guardian soundtracks on vinyl. When I listen to those, I can place every song pretty much. I can place where it is in the film and what's happening because they're they're like so intertwined yeah 
But in this, I, there was lots of like quick snippets of songs. I feel like they played the same out. song a lot of the time when when they were in the ship. And then so the, the two that stood out for me um, were Creep uh, right at the beginning and then uh, No Sleep Till Brooklyn right at the end. Yeah, that's that's what I was saying. Like the, the very start and the very end, yeah. that way, only time they used it in true Guardians fashion. But I did really like that opening sequence that was just Rocket walking through nowhere. Yeah. Kind of half singing, half humming along to Creep. Half like depressed. It, yeah. And it felt it felt relatable. Like it felt like a very, you know, human thing to do. Yeah, you put your headphones on and listen to some sad song that mirrors how you're feeling and it's well that that like I say, that half singing, half mumbling, half humming. I know that's three halves, but maths was never my strong suit. but you know what i mean like it it did just feel very down to earth yeah considering he's a talking raccoon (laughs) really humanized the character in that moment i think they really humanized him a lot this and just showed so much more depth to the character yeah and i get he was the other he was the other big death fake out wasn't he so I, after they've spent the entire film looking for this code to save him, it doesn't work quick enough and they lose him for a bit. And that's when he has the vision of, of, of Lila and he says, can I come with you? And she says, of course. And it's like, oh, like, you know, they've spent the entire film trying to save him, but, you know, maybe that's not, maybe that's not what he wants. Yeah. And then eventually it's like, but not yet. And then, yeah, he's not, he, he doesn't die. Like, it, it does just get a bit tedious when, when it, it, all the time it's like, oh, oh, this guy's going to die. Ah, no, he's not. Oh, oh, no, this guy's going to die. Oh, no, he's not. Those moments start to lose their effect if you do it too much. And then the other big moment was, um, the, the other death fake out was Drax. I don't know if you thought the same, but when they are on that weird space station that's made out of like flesh organs yeah which we should talk about that um but he takes like he takes a shot straight to the chest and i think does he take one to the back as well and he falls into a fountain or something it's like oh shit they killed drax but now nah, he just stands up again <laughs> yeah he's like he's getting carried out kind of like shouldered out yeah, but did you uh, think he was dead? Did you think yeah. that he was in trouble? I'm he glad it wasn't just me. He got front and the back, and then he's kind of just next scene. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, cool. Shake it off. Couple of laser shots to the chest. Yeah, just walk it off. Don't worry about it. But yeah, that, that space station was really, like, grotesque looking. Looked like some sort of Cronenberg-esque design. It was vi- it was vile. It's when they stood on it, like when they lifted the hole out, and it was like oozing. Yeah, our just our bit put off. Uh, and I think that whole sequence on the space station there is when Peter starts to realise that maybe Gamora's not the same Gamora. Yeah, like just pretty much a complete Gamora to what he knows. Like she'd not softened up, but because like when he first met met her she'd had enough of thanos 
Yeah. But when they met, she was still working for him. So there was that experience that she'd not got to yet. So I think to him, it is a completely different uh, Gamora. The thing I was so pissed off in the film is for um, Star-Lord and Nebula, nothing happened. No, that would have been weird. No, I think I, I, I was shipping them. I was shipping uh, the Star Nebula. No. The Stebula. Pebula. The Nita. She does start to soften up a bit by the end of the film, though. I think when they're on Counter-Earth, is that when it is? There's definitely a moment where like, she, she just looks around and but it must be when Counter-Earth's blowing up, like there's death and destruction, and you can just see she wants to help these people. Even though there's yeah. nothing in it for her, she wants to help these people. And that was always her in the Guardians team. She was the one that wanted to help regardless of whether they were being paid for it or not. Everyone else was basically like mercenaries. Like she's actually got like that moral side. When she's holding the gun to that that girl's head. And uh, yeah, I think that's when, when he looks at her and you can just see in his eyes, he's like, this isn't like, I don't know who you are, which I think is what she'd been trying to tell him all along. <laughs> That's what I've been saying. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of the escape from the prison in Guardians One, like Quill's plan to to he needs to access to the computers and then he can disengage. In fact, it doesn't disengage with gravity, does it? Does it? Does he like hack their suits and just send them flying all over? It rocket does it, doesn't it? In the first one, yeah, yeah. Um, and then yeah, he access to the system. He gets the he makes the suits go up, which yeah did did feel like a a clever plan. Like if he just told her that he needs access to the system, she would have never given it. But he's like, I I want to give this big heartfelt speech, and they'll come around to my way of thinking. And he's like, Nah, I'm not that stupid. I know that I'd never work. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, bringing it back to the the best part of this movie. And the thing that shocked me the most, Groot fucking spoke. I have questions. You, everyone's got questions. We know from Thor in Infinity War that Groot speaks Grootish because he learnt Grootish. He can speak Grootish. Yeah. So, so all the way through, I was going to say all three of these films, but it's not been that Groot. For but anyway, Groot he's speaking Grootish and. Some of the characters can sometimes understand him. In the first one, I think it's only Rocket that can understand him. The more time people spend with Groot, the more they know what he's like saying. Like Gamora eventually understands what he says by end of the film. Yeah, and that really felt like a... Like, oh, she, she's one of us now. Yeah. Like, she, she might not be with the Guardians now, but she's one of us again, and that's why she can understand him again. Um... But has Groot been able to speak English all this time and just chooses not to? <laughs> because it's not even like a variation, because it, but both Groots have said, we are Groot. Yeah. I'm not going to check. So what about if 
the fact he actually did just say I am Groot and now the audience can understand Oh shit! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my! What? Her? Her? My head? My brain? What? <laughs> I really hope. I really hope my microphone picked that up because that was a great point. What? So as as we were saying, Gamora can understand him because she is now she's spent enough time with him. She is now one of them. We have just spent enough time with Groot. That we can now understand Grootish. My head. <laughs> yeah, that is a really great theory. That that is that is just brilliant. Yeah, fully on board with that. Wow. Okay, on that bombshell. Yeah. So as, as we've said at the end, like they have, they've all gone their separate way. Mantis is doing Mantis things. Making people also, I, I love this was kind of an extension on what they did in the holiday special. But I love Mantis, how Mantis fights is just like making people do stupid things that distract them from fighting. Yeah, <laughs> so she dance. Makes one guy bark like a dog, and another guy dance. <laughs> she makes that one, it's not part of the fight, but she makes that one guy fall in love with Drax. Just because so she finds it just funny. There, like, it's just there like, hi, how are you today? Yeah. Yeah, I, good, good, good. I feel like they have a real like squabbling sibling kind of yeah. relationship. I do like the fact that they they mention a few times that Mantis and Quill are brother and sister, but they don't make a big point of it, but they don't It didn't really change it. anything, did it? No, but I like how it's it's there. Yeah, but they don't because dis- they don't dismiss it in case someone's not watched Holiday Special. Or... Yeah, but if you've not watched the Holiday Special, you really should. And speaking of the Holiday Special, there was a reference to that in <laughs> the post credit scene we've already briefly spoke about, which was uh, Peter's granddad is reading a newspaper, and on the newspaper it says something like "alien abduction, Kevin Bacon." tells his story, which I thought was a nice reference. We've not spoke about the other post-credits, the mid-credits scene shows us the new yeah. the, the new Guardians team. I think that's a sick team, and I wouldn't be disappointed if we saw more of them, because I did notice the girl, which is one of the children that they saved, yeah. had glowy hands. I, I did read who she's meant to be. One second, I'll find it. Is it Quasar? So this is on Wikipedia. It says the mid credit scene, the new Guardians are shown to be Rocket, Groot. Groot looks amazing. Oh, Groot, in, yeah. Groot in that looks mid-credit scene. Yeah. Uh, Cosmo, Craglin, who seems to now have full control over his uh, his little whistly arrow that he got yeah. from 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 the guy what's his name yondu from mary poppins yeah yondu uh adam warlock yep Phyla, and blurp is blurp the little dog thing yeah Phyla's the name Phyla's like just her name i i don't know if she's meant to be like quasar so Phyla vel in the comics is the daughter of the superhero marvel the original okay. Captain Marvel. Okay, it did look Captain Marvel-y hands 
Like, cause it was it was like yellow and orange glow and purpley glow right. all mixed into one, which I thought was cool. So I wouldn't be disappointed if we saw more of them because I thought it, I think it's cool, even if it were just like short or. Yeah, I'm not expecting to get a Guardians of the Galaxy four anytime soon. I feel like you know it's bound to happen one day just because of guaranteed money for Marvel when they start running out of ideas. I do expect that we will see them in Secret Wars. Yeah, might might even see her in the Marvels. Possibly, but I doubt it. I don't think that's where it's going. It's a possibility, though, if 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 that's the comic book is that it's the original Captain Marvel, the daughter of Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah. It'd be a funny, like, little clip if one of them used the powers and and just ended up surrounded by like Rocket and Groot. Like, what the fuck? And then like switched back. Yeah, she has been part of Guardians of the Galaxy in the comics as well. She was part of the lineup for the 2008 Guardians of the Galaxy run, apparently. So, yeah, so I think the engine now is rating the film. I mean, I think I've already done that. I think it's it's four, four out of five. Four out of five. The Rotten I think Tomatoes it's a solid score. four out of five. I don't feel like I can give it more of that. More than I that. It's, it doesn't feel like a three. It's not. I feel like Doctor Strange was a three. Yeah, and it's, it's a really solid mcu film um it i'll tell you what it makes me really excited for the future of dc yeah i I was thinking that if james gunn's going to dc this is just shown that yeah he this is what he's bringing across he really knows what he's doing with with superheroes in general and is able to give heart and emotion and humanity to these characters yeah because he's writing and directing the next superman film and that's what you really need to make superman work is to to give him like believable human emotions and qualities not just this like emotionless superhero yeah just this indestructible guy yeah someone who's made out of steel so if you listened to our last episode you will know we are moving on to chatting with the robot overlord we even have our own fucking jingle for it yeah and even the jingle is AI generated yeah so it's chatting with an AI on a segment that was produced by an AI and written by an AI, we're just... Yeah, we're just along for the ride. So all we need now is a question to ask ChatGPT. So I've asked it, give me a crossover between Star Wars and Guardians of the Galaxy. It is Star Wars Day, as we mentioned earlier. Yep, May the 4th. So this is not a Guardians of the Galaxy film. It's a Star Wars film. So it's called Star Wars Guardians of the Galaxy Adventure. Okay. In a galaxy far away, the Guardians of the Galaxy... Only one far? Yep. 
Oh, come on, get with uh, it, chat only, GPT. Only one far. In a galaxy far away, the Guardians of the Galaxy find themselves caught in the middle of an intergalactic conflict. They encounter the Rebel Alliance, who are on a mission to steal plans for a new Imperial superweapon that could turn the tide of the war. As they assist the Rebels, the Guardians meet some of the most iconic Star Wars characters, including Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, Chewbacca, and the droids R2-D2 and C-3PO. The Guardians and the Rebels join forces to take on the Empire and their new superweapon, which is being guarded by Darth Vader. The Guardians bring their unique set of skills to the fight using their spaceship, the Milano, to provide cover for the Rebel ships as they make their attack. Rocket Raccoon and Chewbacca form an unlikely team using their expertise in explosives to sabotage the Imperial base. Gamora and Princess Leia work together to take down the Imperial Guards, while Drax the Destroyer battles Darth Vader in an epic lightsaber duel. Wait, does Drax have a lightsaber? <laughs> Apparently so. I, I like the idea <laughs> that Darth Vader has a lightsaber and Drax is just using his fists. As the battle rages on, the fate of the galaxy hangs in the balance. Will the Guardians and the Rebels be able to overcome the might of the Empire and stop their superweapon? Probably. Or will they fall to the dark side of the Force? In the end, the, the Guardians and the Rebels emerge victorious. Oh, thanks, I thought so. Thanks to their teamwork and bravery, they celebrate their victory with a party where they exchange stories and jokes. The Guardians even give a special performance of their famous dance-off, which leaves Luke and Leia baffled but entertained. <laughs> I like that, baffled but entertained. <laughs> uh, my, my question... Does Chewbacca have ex skills with explosives? He just, yeah, he, he, he just an explosives likes, expert. He likes blowing shit up, doesn't he? He's always got the bomb strapped around his chest, and he uh, blew up. He, bl he blew up Starkiller Base. Yeah, I, I, I just like the fact of Drax picking up this like lightsaber and being like shaking it against his ear, and it's just like, and he's like, ah. I think it's better if he doesn't have one. Darth Vader's swinging at him. And he's, he just, he's he, dodging he all the... <laughs> Darth Vader ignites it and Drax picks up the lightsaber and just throws it at him and then charges. I mean, it, it basically has super strength, Drax, doesn't he? Like, just lands a punch on Darth Vader's mask and breaks it open. <laughs> so, yeah, that is the up-and-coming Star Wars film that gives you a crossover for Guardians of the Galaxy. Coming to cinemas uh, 2025. Yeah, and they're both owned by the same company now, so uh, yeah, we, we could make that happen. Feige Robot, if you are listening, make it so. <laughs> okay, so I think that's it anyway for our uh, Guardians of the Galaxy spoilerific episode. Spoilerific, we got it in there. Got it in there for you. Thank you, I appreciate that. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to get in touch, if you've got any thoughts about what we've said about Guardians Volume 3, or if you just want to send us your own, you can get in touch by email. We are notnpod at gmail.com, or you can message us on Twitter or Instagram. We are at newsofthenerd. Uh, if you'd like to support the podcast, the best things you can do is subscribe on your podcast app of choice and give us a rating. And the best way is to, to spread the word is just to tell your friends, tell your family. Tell your mums. I don't think you were going to say it then. I paused for you. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say it. Uh, but that's all from us today. So all that's left is for us to say, we are grouped. We are grouped. 
Oh, because he's high. <laughs> hey, there you go. Then pack it in with the sound effects. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> I'm leaving enough time for you to cut them out. You're going to come out, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs>